Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Welcome to Utabia. I was just checking my recording there, making sure I was on. Stephen Chicken here, alongside David Hartrick. Some of you may be joining us on Facebook Live. Welcome along if you are watching us on Facebook. Uh, brand new, brave new world here, David. A step into the visual medium. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> it's difficult. I, I think probably the, the viewers are the, the ones who are most worse off. I think, first of all, Dave, I need to, to give you this. Now, this is... This is a plate with your words on it and a knife and fork because I'm going to make you eat your words. Well, Wigan, not that bad yeah. on the day it turned out. However, I think more to do with town just not turning up, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think Wigan did anything particularly out of the ordinary. They did what they usually do, which is the strong and physical and tidy, and they hope their fullbacks make a difference. And they played, you know, played pretty well on the day. Um, but town were. I mean, I mean, it was a horror show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not good. I mean, it was a real throwback to the kinds of performances they had at the, the, the turn of the new year uh, against the likes of, of Barnsley and Stoke before all the new players came in. The, the formation didn't seem quite clear. I think it was somewhere between a 4-3-3 mm. or 4-2-3-1. They definitely switched it, I think, after the Wigan goal to a more outright 4-2-3-1 and certainly second half. Once Alex Pritchard came on, it was a, a full-on... Four two three one, um, but whatever they did, it it just didn't work. They had plenty of possession. They had seventy percent possession, but they only managed one shot on target. They tested the keeper uh, just twice, and one of them was from a cross um, from Janino Bakuna from a free kick. So mm. it just you know they talked a lot in the build up um, about uh, about the you know the positive spirits that they were in as a team. Um, they talked. <laughs> Uh, a lot about the, the amount of work they'd done, the aggression that they had on the training ground, and all of these things. And on the day, it, it just didn't pan out that way. That you know, it 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 would just never click, did it? No, I think it's impossible to talk about the performance without talking about the circumstances. Um, I I was there today, and uh, it really got to Towns players playing without any fans it the the whole situation really got to them there were a lot of players who um went into their shells there were a lot of players who um just just couldn't sort of come to grips with it or come to terms with it at all prime example there was quite early on i don't know if people saw it or not because i know there was big problems with i follow wasn't there steve yeah we'll get onto that in a minute <laughs> um there was quite a big chance where Wigan broke um, down their right, uh, got a, a ball into the box, and I think it was Stearman put in a fantastic block. And the ball broke loose um, to the edge of town's area, and Emil Smith-Rowe was there in acres of space. Mm. And with a crowd there and before the break, he would have done that thing that makes us draw, which is controlled the ball, turned and covered the first six feet into space all in one movement and he would have got town on the front foot and he would have got everybody going what he did on this occasion was he literally controlled it facing his own goal turned round at walking pace and then put his foot on the ball and played a sideways pass and it was really stark the contrast um because that's not ESR. That's not what he wants to do. That's not what his game's about. And he wasn't the only one. There was a couple of times when um, Tuffalo broke down the left and just no one went with him at all. Yeah. It was defensively, it, it wasn't too bad. It, was, it wasn't It was a shambles. The goals we'll get onto, but it wasn't an absolute shambles. But the attacking-wise, it was, it was like without the, the adrenaline provided by a crowd being there, 
um, it was like they really, really struggled to get going. It was, it was an odd performance, and that slight uh, confusion you're on about really was over the number 10 position and how the number 10 position was being played. And at, at one point, ESR was there for 10 minutes. At one point, Janino Bakuna had a little go. At one point, O'Brien was in there. And I don't like O'Brien as a 10. For a while, there was no 10. It was more like something like a 4-3-3 without a 10. And uh, Grant, I know just having a quick look on Twitter and other places, I know Grant has taken quite a lot of grief for his performance today, but he had absolutely zero service. Nobody got anything into him at any point. And what happened then was he got caught between pushing really, really high, trying to push the Wigan defence back to try and create some space for people to run in, but also then dropping way, way too deep, trying to pick the ball up so he could affect the game and get in the game. And it, it, it was a, it was an odd, a really odd performance. It's, I mean, is it worth talking about the circumstances a bit now, or do you want to go into the actual match, Steve? Yeah, I think I think we'd better touch on it as a starting point because you were there, and then <laughs> it's uh, I know it's something that that you felt quite strongly about just from having spoken to you a bit before we hit record here. Yeah, um, the it's very difficult to it, it's all right just saying town were absolutely rubbish didn't show up and all that but it's very difficult to describe the differences and how different it feels to somebody who's not there it you walk into the ground and i have to say town's setup was absolutely brilliant you you got there we parked in the car park you walk out you get your press accreditation from the t- ticket office go and sanitize your hands have your temperature check hand your medical form in get your bag checked and then you're straight up into the press seats we were all distanced really really well i was actually sitting in my usual seat next to you steve which is not actually the seat i'm allocated i'm usually allocated the seat in the row in front but i nip into the seat next to you just so we can talk because we're great mates yeah um buddies so um i was i was sat in my usual seat but even when the players came out to warm up you could see how um just how different it felt and you could see them looking at each other and you could see them really struggling to sort of grasp the the entirety of how different it was you know everything you said everything you did echoed around the place every single time Danny Cowley had a go at them for something or picked out an individual everybody heard it from me to everybody on the pitch every time a player had a go at another player everybody heard it on the pitch there's like there's just no hiding place at all and town had to come in they came in a completely different way so they parked round by the cinema and walked round that way they weren't in the changing rooms for long you know the the part of the philosophy seems to be you sort of come in virtually ready to go get out there do your warm-up get back in quit very quickly get changed and i believe they're all distance in the changing rooms and get out onto the pitch and then afterwards you're sort of in you can't have your usual massage and everything in the same way you can't have your shower and everything the same way it really affected town i i honestly think that they could have so done with this being an away game because wigan just turned up and went yeah fine you know whatever we'll just get on with it whereas town because they're in their own backyard they really really struggled and i can't i know people who are watching or listening to this are going to go well they're professional footballers they just need to get on with it and all that sort of thing but when there is no hiding place like that um when as i said every time their manager calls them out for something or every time they feel slighted by the ref and they have a pop at the ref and they suddenly hear it echo around the stadium etc it's it is a genuinely odd sensation it's a genuinely weird thing and i think that you can't downplay it. People will try and downplay it. Um, you know, so the, the argument was made to me earlier, well, it's the same for both sides, but it really isn't because when it's your home, when it's what you're used to, when it's your, I know it sounds silly, but when it's your locker, your bench, your peg, your routine, footballers are superstitious. They like to do certain things in certain orders, etc. It It really is a huge change and it did genuinely affect them. Um, and some players just couldn't get over it. And 
I'll tell you now, if they don't get over it quite quickly, they're going to have a major, major problem because they need to win now two home games out of the, is it the three they've got left? And one of them is against West Brom. So they have got to get over it really quickly. Janino Bakuna was playing like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders and Danny Cowley has to do a little bit of coaching with him because he's he's still learning and he's got a we all know he needs a little bit of focus so you could hear every time he was he was telling him to do something as could everybody else it's just it really got on top of them it really really got on top of them and they've they've got to get over it i completely underestimated the effect it would have under normal circumstances you will not convince me that town shouldn't win that game seven times out of ten but i completely misread how different it was going to feel for everyone you know even in the press box it feels you know even getting up and going for a wee in the press box you feel like everybody's watching you yeah well <laughs> you should have gone yeah. to the toilet i think it's it's the, the... listen <laughs> mate if i need to go i need to go but <laughs> It's it really did affect them. It really did affect them, and they have got to get over that quick smart, you know. Yeah, and it's you know we've seen some some other sort of slightly odd results down at the bottom of that table today. Um, but it's you know there's only Town and Borough and uh, and Hull that have that have you know not got any points out of today's games, mm. and I think that's the worst thing that could have happened. I mean, even, even Charlton getting a win is, you know, terrible for town because at least if Charlton had lost to Hull, then, you know, that gap to the relegation zone would have been maintained. But now, you know, it's down to just, it's one point now There there really isn't, you know, a lot of, uh, well, there's no margin for error anymore for, for town. And that is a concern that, I mean, we talked a bit on the last podcast as well, that they really need to make sure that at no point this season do they go into that relegation zone. Because if the season is curtailed for any reason, again, this season, and, and, you know, we can't count out a second spike of the coronavirus or or anything like that. If if the season is curtailed, then it's going to be decided. It's already, they've already said it will be decided based on who is in the bottom three at that time. So Mm. it's not even a case of, oh, they need to get out of it before the end of the season it's they can't afford to to slip into the the bottom three because it's such a a big risk for them but yeah i I just thought they had no fluency whatsoever on the day that that midfield um struggled i thought when pritchard came on they they had a short spell and i'd stress a short spell where they they looked a little bit better having him as a Mm. as a you know as the number 10 danny cowley said after the game that emil smith Rowe was struggling a bit with with illness um, obviously it won't have been coronavirus because they've, they've been thoroughly tested for all of those things, but he was struggling a bit with, with you know, some kind of bug and wasn't feeling great. So he went off shortly after halftime, but he didn't have a great game anyway. I, I don't think anyone did. I don't think there was anyone on that pitch really who could say that they, they put in a, a performance that they would be proud of. Yeah. I mean, me, me and Mel had a... Um, Mel wanted a... <laughs> A little bit of a chat about who we made man of the match and we went marginally with Toffolo bear in mind you know he was also arguably at fault for the first goal he was unlucky with the deflection on the cross but everybody else I mean Stearman played okay but yeah everybody else it was a it's a really dodgy performance even Lossall struggled in the circumstances the nerves got to him he I, I don't know if you saw it on iPhone I don't know how early it was in the game but where he just he dropped that ball that was just dropping straight down to into his hands and he just dropped it and then there was another one in the second half in the six yard box it was it was just it it was a genuine horror show and that's why I'm saying if they don't get over this fear of playing at home yeah they're, they're in trouble. I still maintain they will stay up because I, I think there's other sides there who are worse than them and in worse trouble. But it was it was shocking today. It was stark how it affected them and how badly they actually played. Yeah, I mean, Forest are up next um, and that, that'll be an away game. It'll be interesting to see what effect that might have because you know, Forest conceded a late equaliser today as well. Um, which 
you know, hopefully has dented a bit of confidence. But I mean, they're they're a promotion chasing team, so you know, mm. if the, if this is leveling things out a little bit, then the uh, the omens are not in in town's favour. I mean, we talked a bit about the 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 rest of the fixtures that the other teams have. Luckily, there is another six-pointer next week. Stoke are playing against Borough. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the rest of the games, then, well, what have we got? We've got Barnsley are taking on Millwall. Birmingham are at home to Hull. Now, that's a positive is that Hull are doing so badly because they, they yeah. you know, by all accounts were terrible again today. Charlton against QPR. Stoke Borough, as we say. Swansea Luton. And then Wigan Blackburn. Uh, and then, obviously, Towner on Sky on, on the Sunday lunchtime. Mm-hmm. You know... It potentially by the time town kick off on Sunday, they're in the relegation zone and you know facing a, a another psychological blow that they're going to have to to get over. Yeah, it's it's the games are not going to stop coming now because because mm-hmm. of the way this season is going to go, they're just going to come thick and fast. And I think that's both a blessing and a curse. I think it does give them a chance to immediately wipe a bad performance away, but I. We've said before on the podcast that they're better playing against better sides. Mm. Um, one of the things they really struggled with today was going 1-0 down to a side who were... Uh, they pressed them and they were full of running, but it's not like they were, you know, stretching them left and right and, you know, making chance after chance, etc. And they gave Town a lot of respect. They sat quite deep, Wigan, um, and they basically said, "Right, you you come and hurt us. Let's let's see what you've got." And because of that confusion and the stodgy nature of the first half performance, you could see the confidence just shred away from some of Town players. Um, you really could, and they never ever recovered from that. And that second half. Pritchard came on and he was quite lively, but he also looked very, very ring rusty. You know, that free kick right at the end where he just put it straight out. There was a couple of through balls, which they looked like they were close from a certain angle. But if you were sat there watching it, they were, you know, 12 or 15 feet away, really. And I think King was a positive when he came on. He was really, um, really sort of neat, tidy, got his passing right. Dehaney came on and looked good. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I hate to say it because Danny Simpson is a Premier League winner, etc. but I think he might be the option I would start with, certainly against Forrest. Um, but apart from that, it's very, very difficult to, to dig out positives. Um, but I just... Town have got a decent record against Forest. They're better playing against better sides. It may actually suit them that game because I think if it was another away game against a team they should beat, I think the pressure ramps up quite significantly. And I just, if it had been another six pointer like Borough have got potentially, I think the pressure might have broke them. Whereas I think they might play with a little bit more freedom away from home. But yeah, that that Luton game suddenly looks massive. Yeah. Absolutely massive. It looks like a nine pointer. Never mind yeah. a six pointer now. Yeah, it really does. And you feel like these head to head games could well be what decides it. I mean, bit of a surprise to see Middle for as well getting battered by Swansea with three nil. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone, you know, we, we said it out of everyone, Borough were probably the ones who were there alongside town as a team that were capable of getting out of it with the squad that they've got. And, you know, to, to go and, and lose 3-0 like that straight away and put themselves, you know, back in that, that relegation fight, you know, they're, they're placed below town, a point less than town, you know, that they're, they're only above Hull and above the relegation zone on goal difference. I mean, one thing we said last week is that town only really need to be better than one of the probably yeah. one of the of the five teams around them. Um, obviously, that was before Charlton and Barnsley went and won, and Luton picked up a point. But I still feel like Barnsley. You know, they're five points ahead of Barnsley and six points ahead of of Luton. Still, they should be able to to. You know, they, they would need to really screw it up, I think, town to let those teams catch them. So they're probably fighting for that third relegation spot and try to avoid it. And as long as they're better than, as I say, at least one of the, the five teams around them, then then they'll be absolutely mm-hmm. fine. And I still think that there's enough quality in that team to, you know, to do that. Um, it would still, at this point, take 
them to go on their worst run of the season for them to not get the eight points they need to get to 50. But again, the, the problem with the, the other results is whether 50 points is now going to be enough. I still think it, it, it should be, but there's, there's no guarantee there. It's... It, I don't know. We were very positive when we did our preview ahead of, of coming back, um, you know, to the season resumption. But kind of everything that could have gone wrong on this in this Wigan game did go wrong. And we're now suddenly in a, in a very negative place again. Do, do you think there is good reason for town fans to feel negative about, about how things look now? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I still think all the things we said in the preview count town have got a far better squad than their place in this league. I still think there will be a benefit to the time they've had with Danny Cowley. I mean, you won't, you didn't see the set piece in the first half, did you? On I follow the, the little ball around the wall to uh, Bakuna who, who checked it back. So they've obviously been working on various things, um, but they've got to get over the, the, the fear of playing at home because that's what that's what it was there was a there was a fear there today there was a fear of the different and now they've had a game they understand it subs and first team players uh, they know what the noise is like uh, they know how the pressure is different i'd hope they would be better but if they're not if they can't get over that then they're in serious trouble because as I said, I think they have to win two of these home games now, um, and that's that's not easy. And I keep look, as I said, I keep looking at that Luton game. If they don't take something from that Luton game, they they could be in trouble. Um, Hull are in free fall. Hull are really struggling, and I I feel for them in the sense that they got shorn of basically their two best players in January, and they've never really recovered. But by the same token, even if even if Town survived, we were both quite hopeful that they were going to finish the season strong. And because it's going to be quite a quick turnaround, carry that into next season and really start next season quite quickly. If it turns out that they miss out on being relegated by virtue of not being as bad as another team, it's not exactly a massive amount of momentum to carry into a new season. So, yeah, I think there are, there are reasons to worry. Um, but I also think there are reasons to just say, let's see how the next two games go. I think if they don't take anything from the next two games, they they really are going to have to be very, very careful, very, very careful with how they end the season. But there's the one thing... I've watched a lot of the Bundesliga. I don't know if you watched any, Steve. I but No, I, I haven't watched any of it. And the thing about the Bundesliga is that it fell into a pattern quite quickly. Um, there was one or two weird results and one or two weird performances, but it fell into a pattern quite quickly. Watching English football come back, I think you are going to have a few, a, few, a few games where size involved are just absolute third I think they're just going to really struggle because of the circumstances because of the break because of not getting set up quite right I can't tell you if you go one nil down in a game right so town go one nil down today against Wigan and there's a crowd in there even if they haven't been playing particularly well what happens is the players line up for kickoff and after that little lull and the the groan, the, the gal farm groan, as our friend Jim Chisholm calls it, <laughs> there's that roar and there's that come on town and there's that that energy and that adrenaline. You go one nail down at home in these circumstances and it's silence. It's just eerie. All you can hear is the other team celebrating. And it, 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 it does, it did affect them. It did affect them because they... It, they genuinely couldn't get their blood up. They couldn't get their adrenaline up. They couldn't get themselves going. It was it was really odd to watch and see how how affecting it was. And Danny Cowley was he was going mad at some points, trying to get their energy up, trying to get them going, trying to get them to face the ball, trying to get them to press. And they would do it for thirty seconds and then just 
revert back into this going back into their shells um yeah it was it was odd and that first goal i think it's worth talking about the goals a bit steve that first goal was it was a bit of a killer really yeah i mean both goals came from they both had deflections involved i mean for all we're talking about town as you mentioned earlier for all we're talking about their their deficiencies in attack in defense they didn't do too bad a job it's not like wigan had loads of opportunities and absolutely battered them and the two goals they did get came about because of deflections basically you know the first one came off toffolo as the, the ball came in and the other one pilkington's put it onto lewis o'brien's chest and it's it's spun past uh Jonas Lerzlin into the bottom corner so was an element of bad luck there but I think the timing of the second goal as well, the fact that that came just you know just a few minutes after the break, and when they needed that that lift, and and if they'd just started the game the second half and managed to get a bit of a foothold and and at least you know not let Wigan threaten them, then you feel like the momentum could have built throughout that half, and you know toward you know it, they would have got a goal sooner or later, the same as as happened when they played Wigan earlier in the season. But they didn't. They were sort of robbed of the opportunity to to do that. I mean, it, we talk about the deflections. Obviously, the the defensive work and the build up to that. They should have. They should have cut it out. Um, but you know, the, they're caught really flat on the first goal. That's yeah. that's the thing. And low wanders into an area he shouldn't be allowed to wander into, which is like right between your two centre backs. Yeah, and, just chested it in, didn't he? Yeah, and just chested it in. So that's that's a a poor goal really um and Schindler and Stearman should both do better for me there the second goal uh I, I as data collection for Opta I know it hasn't gone down as this but I put it down as an own goal because I I'm not even sure Pilkerton was having a shot I think he was mm. trying to lay it into the the path of the player coming in on his right hand side and it hits O'Brien's chest and I mean it was one of them that then went in in slow motion like yeah. in the ground everybody was just watched it spin and loop and again that situation in an empty echoey ground where you literally you can hear someone go oh no and it echoes all around you and everyone can hear it this though that's the things town didn't get used to and couldn't settle with and it was it, Pilkinson does brilliant on the turn that turn at the edge of the box was absolutely brilliant, yeah. but I, I, yeah, I think it's a Lewis O'Brien own goal. So there's an element of luck to both goals. There's also an element of defensive slackness as well, because there were three players around Pilkinson at one point, and he managed to lose all of them. But it, it was what was more worrying than the goals, really, or the defensive performance, which was okay in truth, was just the just the lack of any cutting edge, really. Mm. I mean, the mitigating factor, I suppose, they were obviously without Steve Mounier and, and Fraser Campbell, both absent from, from the lineup through injury that, that they they picked up in training. Uh, a quad for for Steve Mounier and uh, some tendonitis for, for Fraser Campbell that mm. apparently he's been struggling with. Uh, Danny Kelly also hinted that he might have started Alex Pritchard out on the left because he did well there in the friendlies, um, but he had a bit of a kick to the ankle that, that meant that he wasn't quite ready for, for 90 minutes. Hence, we got Emil Smithrow playing on the left. If Smithrow was, was slightly ill as well, then, um, you know. But Danny Kelly was keen that none of those things should be an excuse. Uh, yeah, the, person, the personnel that they had, they still should have, you know, take, got a lot more out of that game in terms of at least just create some chances, you know, because we've all seen weird games of football like the Fulham game, the away game that that they played. That was just a game where all of the first five shots that I from either side all just went in. It was just one yeah. of those games. This wasn't really that. I mean, you, you couldn't argue that Town deserved to get a point out of that game. To be in truth, but no. You had Carlin Grant playing up front, and as you say, he's going for a bit of stick. I think, I mean, Danny Cowley alluded to it afterwards, saying that when you've got sort of a lack of focal point up top, it's always difficult to to play through the lines and get to your striker. But I think that's kind of a, a sort of a, a sort of what's the word? A hit, sort of slightly hidden criticism, slightly veiled criticism of of Carlin yeah. Grant there, because he said that he had played that role well in in a couple of the friendlies, but he just felt he didn't turn up. He moved him out to the left. Um, and played Elias Kachunga up front instead. Elias Kachunga, who, let's be honest, his form in front of goal has not exactly been stellar this season. Um, and he basically came on and played that Fraser Campbell role. 
Danny Kelly said that this was basically the team that had done well against Middlesbrough in the last friendly and they just didn't turn up. So you, you can make all the sort of excuses and put all forward all the explanations about the tactics, the personnel, and yeah, the, there's things to talk about there, but the long and short of it is they just didn't play well enough. And and sometimes that, that happens. It doesn't mean it's acceptable, but, you know, we, we love to you and I are more of an analytical bent and we like to try and find explanations and work our way through the game sometimes and, you know, work out why things happen and why certain things didn't happen. It just felt like today was just one of those games where it was just like, well, they just weren't good enough. Yeah. I, th- th- there are mitigating factors, but they, they had too many players who just weren't, they, they just, I mean, Toffolo said in the interview afterwards that they weren't at the races. I mean, some of them didn't even get on the coach. It was, it was it was tough to watch at times because you know this is a side that's capable of a lot more than that. Um, so it was it was difficult to watch it sometimes. But they there were. I feel like at least that feels like rock bottom already. <laughs> they do, they physically yeah. can't play that badly again. Um, I mean, they really can't because Mel, I think, gave everybody barring Toffolo and Stearman a four. And I think he gave Stearman a five and Toffolo a six. Mm-hmm. And even that was slightly token. We were we were a little bit torn on that in truth. <laughs> so, yeah, you feel like it's got to go the other way. But there was an argument to keep Grant left and play Kachunga from the start just to try and do the Campbell thing of pressing that Wigan defence because what Grant can't do is he's not the player who wants to chase down every loose ball and slide into tackles to stop your fullbacks easy clearance and it, it's not it's not that he's lazy or anything like that. It's just he's not that type of player. He's a danger player. He wants the shot. He wants to look for the opening. He wants to run into the space. Yeah. It, it's Basically he's a uh, yeah. That's that's what he wants to do. Whereas a player like Kachunga or Campbell is far happier saying, "Well, it's not it's not about me. I'm sacrificing myself for others." And I I, I just wonder if that might have made a bit of a a bit of a difference because. That Wigan back to uh, Fox and Kipre, and then uh, I can't remember who came on for Fox, and they switched. And I mean, they actually finished playing five at the back, Wigan, um, when Town had basically thrown every attacking sub they had at it. They were really comfortable for most of the game. There was only, like, second half, there was only really tough, low shot, which looked in any way threatening. Everything else just felt a bit, you know. It was also, you you said in, in WhatsApp, at times it was like watching Jan's Huddersfield Town. And it was. It was that ponderous pass, 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 sterile possession at times. It, it And it wasn't... I'm not downplaying what Wigan did, but it wasn't down to some great tactical master plan of Wigan's because they're such a brilliant side and played them perfectly. Not at all. It was that Town, they realised really, really quickly we're playing 11 deers caught in the headlights here <laughs> and they exploited it. And, you know, they got exactly, exactly what they deserved. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking for positives here, um, Harry Toffolo did say afterwards, believe it or not, that there are some and they'll find them. Um, and he's vowed that Portersfield Town will not be relegated this season. And there's obviously that determination. So have we. <laughs> I know. So we're right there with you. I mean, probably not got as much to lose as he does, I would suspect. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've been quite confident and quite bullish about saying town aren't going to go down. But if there are positives to take, what are they? I think, like I said, I think they can't possibly play that badly again. I, I think you have to... The only thing about performance like that is you have to go right you've got to go and prove you're better than that. You've got to go out there and do all the things that you've been doing in the, you've been doing in the friendlies. And apparently everybody's been absolutely buzzing in training and banging them in. Um, Yeah. You know, you've, you have to go out there and prove it. Slight, slight worry that I don't think we've had any update on Bakuni yet. Have we? And he finished the game. He could barely walk. He got, Town had used all five subs and he got a heavy challenge and rolled his ankle. 
um, and he desperately wanted to go off. But they convinced him to stay on, and he basically stood on the halfway line for the last, I think it was about 12 minutes, just every so often just trying to pick a man up and, and giving it up. That doesn't look great. And Bakuna is the one that we've been told has been the real shining light in these behind-closed-doors friendlies. And if he played... 70-odd minutes and looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders and then got injured and, let's be honest, has probably made it worse by having to stay out there for 10 minutes. That's not... That's a bit bit of a shame. But, yeah, I, I, I just feel like they can't play that badly against Steve. And I think... I mean, even... <sighs> Campbell was sat in front of us a couple of rows down and he looked okay. He looked gutted to not be playing. So I would assume he's not a million miles off because it's not like he was hobbling around in crutches with a cast and support or anything on and I think even just having a Mooney or a Campbell fit is going to go a long way because Town have got a very strong bench until you look at the striking options today they had yeah. lots of ways to change it but they had no real striker there because Kachunga I, I, I don't care what anyone says he's not a striker he can do a very specific job and they may have been better starting that way today, but he's not a, he's not an impact striker, is he? You don't bring him on thinking, well, there's a man who's going to get us two. Yeah, no. So yeah, I think just having Campbell and Mooney back will be a big will be a big boost. And Stearman as well. I do think it's worth having a word for Stearman. He was good as he always is. Him and Toffolo are always going to be like a six out of ten. <laughs> You know, they're very, very rarely going to drop below that. And they'll quite often go above that. So, you know, they did what they do. But, yeah, it was was not Schindler's best day either, Steve. It was not Schindler's best day by a long way. No, it wasn't. I mean, Kiefer Moore, we we talked about this. We felt sort of bullied him, particularly for the first goal, and and that's why I, that's where I think the comparison with, with Stoke comes in because you know Danny Cali said after that game that they struggle with more physical sides who, who go and bully teams, and you know Paul Cook I think has a bit of a reputation for being you know a bit of an old school manager because he's very bolshy and you know he's got a scouse accent and things mm. like that. But anyone who's followed Paul Cook's career will know that he does his homework and. You you know, he's all about getting the maximum out of his team, very much like Danny Cowley. And, you know, he'll squeeze as much as he can out of his side and try and get any advantage he can. So he will have looked at, you know, Town's heaviest defeats and gone, right, well, what, what do they struggle against? And, you know, it's not like they were pumping long balls uh, over the top that, that Town was struggling with. But what we did see was that every time the ball was up in the air, they were, you know, they were the first to it every time. They would come and knock mm. town players off the ball and you could see the players were getting frustrated. You know, Lewis O'Brien was very, very lucky to <sighs> not get was he, yeah, Really lucky because he got booked midway through the first half, right, right on the stroke of half time. He was chasing after a ball to, uh, to try to stop it going out for a goal kick. He didn't get to it and he, punted it into the stands um, and he could have been booked again for that the ref went and had a word with him and then just before he got subbed off he committed another foul that considering he was on a final warning could well have resulted in yeah. as well. so he was a very he, lucky boy I felt the other thing I think the players are going to have to get used to that was quite noticeable is the officials act in a very different way when it's behind closed doors so if I'm not saying O'Brien would have definitely gone, but there's a chance that he would have gone with fans there. You know, there was another one later on where um, Carlin Grant, it, um, I can't remember who conceded the free kick, but the ball just rolled to the side and Carlin Grant just booted it the length of the pitch. And the ref came over and had a word with him, but he should have, you know, I'll be honest with you, he, he, he should have been booked for it. And there were one or two moments like that where the referee was either went a bit over the top or didn't go quite far enough. And the, and the fourth official for a data collector, I won't bore everybody, but was an absolute nightmare from start to finish. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, you got 10 substitutions and he put the wrong numbers up on the board twice and he kept getting the numbers the wrong way around. And it drove, trust me, it's... That's not fun when you're on data collection duties, but that's a very boring point for people listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for, for really boring points. The, the the other positive I would just say, just looking at Town's sort of previous results and their runs of form, this is only the th- fourth 
time under the Cowleys that they've had back-to-back defeats. And the first of them was the, the first two games that they've had. Yeah. Um, so, and, and two of those have involved playing Leeds as well, who are at the top of the table. So I think we've seen that Town are capable of bouncing back from these things. They've not had a really, really, truly horrendous run, even when they've no. been middle of a of a you know uh, an injury crisis they managed to pull out wins against you know likes of Blackburn and, and Nottingham Forest uh, helpfully enough just before Christmas and I'm not having it anyway I, I saw I saw a lot of people say today well that's two bad defeats in a row you, you can't you, you can't Leeds game, the Leeds game and this game there's absolutely no comparison whatsoever because of the break and because of how things have gone and because of how different circumstances are you like Danny Cowley has said this is a mini season and that's exactly what it is fair enough they're all starting with various handicaps in the table but it bears absolutely no relation to what's gone on before and Danny Cowley has a habit of we've said this before Steve that his team his Huddersfield Town team so far has been a bit all or nothing. It's either a really good performance and a good win, or they are turd and lose heavily. Yeah. And a lot of the draws they, games that they should have won, but there's been an individual error or... Yeah. yeah. You know, today they've played really, really badly and they've paid the price for it, but it, they can't play much worse than that. I, I would say Town need to be slightly thankful they were playing Wigan and it ended up 2-0 because a really good side, if, that, it, it, <laughs> if the virus had come oh, yeah. earlier and they'd been playing Leeds, they would have got absolutely humped today humped so yeah it's it's i'm not completely down about it or anything like that but they they've just they've really got to learn from it they really really have got to learn from today because home games are important you know um but yeah that like i'll repeat myself that Luton game is a is a 12 pointer keeps going up Um, yeah, I mean, we, we said we'd talk about iFollow, and I think we have to because it, it just it wasn't good enough. You know, I was doing it from home, so I was using it the same as everyone else. I got into the feed after nine minutes. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't get in until much later in the first half, if they got in at all. So I actually mm. got quite lucky that I was able to watch the lion's share of the game. But when you've got games behind closed doors this is the only way that the fans can watch most of these games thankfully next week it's uh it's on sky so if there's any more um issues then you know at, at least town will be will be out of it but there really can't be any more issues there can't be no. because and it's it's worth stressing it's not the club's fault it was every club in the championship was affected town had no control over it whatsoever uh i, I believe that they are i mean uh, Mark Devlin has, has tweeted saying they're really disappointed with it. I know that for a fact that a lot that that club and every club have worked incredibly hard over the last few days with tech support. They've thrown everything they've got, at making sure everyone that should have a code has their code, making sure that you know people who barely know how to use computers are able to get in and watch their team. They've done everything they can. They've had such short notice, which again is out of their hands. The codes only went out on Thursday for a game on Saturday. So the the club were left with basically a day and a half to do all this tech support for for 18,000 season ticket holders. And it's just a a nightmare. And I think the way that that I follow have have handled this as, as demonstrably not been good enough to not, have you know whatever's gone wrong whether it's a technical thing whether that you know the servers have got overloaded or something like that i don't know I, but it, it's obviously not been properly tested something has, has gone wrong and it's not acceptable because you know the clubs are in a really financially precarious position as it stands and they can't have people coming and asking for refunds, which, but if it continues like this, if this is a level of service, then people will be asking for refunds because season ticket holders yeah. have, you know, have, have accepted, a lot of them have accepted this in good faith rather than asking for a refund. But if they can't watch the, the games, then you can't really blame them for, you know, for saying, well, I'd rather have 
my money back, thank you very much. And and the yeah. clubs just not just Huddersfield Town, no club can afford that at the moment. So I I didn't realise it was a problem across all the championship games. Yeah, I thought it was just a I thought it was just a problem in town. I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I, is, the inter- that is I mean today's the first time I've used the interface and it's once you get in, it's fine. But the actual sign-up process, I can see why so many people have needed tech support because, you know, and again, it's it's a platform that's out of town fans. So it's not like it's their staff that have written, you know, the instru- the the, um, the the interface that you click through to, to get signed up. But half of it's not even in, in, you know, proper English. It's just, some of it is just gibberish. And, I, you know, I consider myself to be fairly tech savvy and I s- struggled with, with bits of the sign-up. So, yeah, I mean... Hopefully, that's the last of the issues. Because as I say, once I got in and I got on the feed, I didn't have any further issues. Um, Dave, so- I, I know somebody who uses it abroad because mm. it's the same feed, isn't it? If you're, yeah. if you if you buy your season ticket, if you live abroad and you can watch all the games, and he uh, uh, he's always mystified why they don't run the feed early because the feed always seems to start like 30 seconds or a minute or a minute and a half late. And it's almost like somebody has to switch it on and there's a delay. And he's always mystified why they don't just put it on five minutes before and let them, you know, watch them come out. So I I didn't realize it was across all the championship games. I mean, that is, that is poor. Very, very poor, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, as I say, just, I mean, at the Premier League, everything, every game's on TV. So, you know, it's, it's not an issue for them, but I don't know. They they obviously need to sort it out. And as I say, the the stupid thing is, I'm pretty sure we said on our podcast last week, there's going to be issues with that feed the first game because they're just because <laughs> yeah. there's hundreds of thousands of people more than are normally watching it. And you know, we've all been on ticketing websites that have crashed when you know Arctic Monkeys tickets or Daniel Kitson tickets go on sale, and, and you know, there's more demand than they anticipated. And I, I could just you could see it coming a mile away. And for for a tech company not to have that set up and, and for it to fail yeah. on the very yeah, first game is, is really really poor and as I say it's I, I just apart from anything else I feel sorry for the clubs and obviously being you know the town writer I, I particularly feel sorry for Riversfield Town because I, I know that they through every member of staff that they could spare mm. on doing the tech support on Thursday and Friday when they should have been doing other things to build up to the game. And, you know, it's them that are going to get it in the neck. And if if there are further problems, then, um, you know, it'll be people asking the clubs for refunds with money that they really, really can't afford to spare at the moment. So mm. anyway, that's, mean, that's, I, that's that's my rant on that. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I must say, like, the stuff that Town have been involved in around this crisis and putting the game on today and the Zoom press conferences, etc., has been absolutely spot on. It seems to be when the EFL gets involved, that's when the problems start. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was so well organised today. It was it was brilliant, really. Yeah, I'm glad to, and I, I'm interested to. So the way it's going to work on the examiner is I'm going to do the away games, and, and Mel's going to do all the home games. So I'll be interested to go to the city ground next week and you know experience it for myself. Um, I, I, I don't mean this to sound glib, but I've done you know women's football games where the crowd is probably about the same size as mm-hmm. as the the press contingent. Um, and I really don't mean that disparagingly because I'm talking about, you know, fourth tier women's football. So I'm, I'm a bit used to it, but I think it will still be weird watching yeah. a, a championship I, game in that environment. The, the, yeah. And the, the difference there is the players themselves are used to it. Whereas yeah. here it's, it's, it is, it is odd. There's a lot of people, like I say, who are just going to say, well, they should just get on with it and they're paid a fortune and all that sort of thing. But until you actually experience it and go in, you don't realise quite how different a world it is for them. And it, it's, like, it's like somebody asking you to go and do your day job in completely different circumstances. So suddenly, like, the tools you need aren't where you want them. They're right over there and everything has changed around you and that's that's the sensation they will get used to it i do think they will get used to it as other clubs will and some clubs i think it won't bother them at all but yeah they they need to get over it i think the city ground as well is a it's quite a compact ground have you been to the city ground just the once yeah 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 it's quite a compact ground like Anfield used to be yeah whereas at town because you've got the open corners 
particularly, it feels quite a like a big expanse. So when it's empty, you feel it more than you will do in other grounds, I think. Um, and I think that's a factor as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a difficult run of fixtures going up. Um, it's Forest and then Birmingham, who are sort of just above that sort of that bottom eight or nine. Uh, but then Preston uh, is a really difficult game. That that was one of Town's mm. worst performances um, earlier this season was the away game against Preston. Yeah. That was the game the outfit got injured, but they did struggle. You wonder if there might be, you wonder if that might not be too bad a game for them though, because you wonder if there might be one or two scores to be settled there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so, if, if there's any game where they need to be up for the fight, it's it's Preston. Thankfully, as you say, they've got a bit of a bit of an incentive mm. there. Do it for Tommy, <laughs> um, my boy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry it was me that spoke to him the other day and not you. But next time. But yeah, anyway, we've got you know there's still another eight games to go. They only need probably eight points, and and a point per game it should still be doable. So although it's been very doom and gloom today. <laughs> Still, still hopeful. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, the stuff we said on the preview pod, I think, still holds absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but they've got to get over the fear quickly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was, true. it was interesting looking at the Premier League today that Arsenal have gone up. Not to talk about my own dear Brighton Hove Albion, but Arsenal have gone to Man City and really struggled and been put away, and they've gone to Brighton and struggled and eventually being put away. I think it's quite clear there are certain clubs who are really going to struggle to get their heads around this. I just yeah. I just don't want Town to be one of them. And I don't think they need to be. I don't think they need to be. That's the thing. I know the Town crowd is a big thing. You know, when they went up to the Premier League, it's all anybody ever said on Match of the Day was how well supported they are and how good it is. But... They, they, it doesn't need to be like that. They can just get on and do their job because the pressure. I know it sounds mad in the position they're in, but the pressure, the pressure doesn't have to be on if they just get their heads down and get going the right way. But and you feel like if they get one more win, then like the end is so much in sight there. You know, yeah. Then they then they probably only need one win and two draws. I they, hopefully they ultimately, ultimately, I think. I mean, you just like if they do get eight points out of the last lot, I think that'll be fine, obviously. But I think even, I mean, even four points, Steve, the way teams are dropping around them and with what's happening. But yeah, they've just got to get out, got to get it out of their system pretty quickly. And hopefully they have now. Hopefully, you know, as you say, this is their blip. This is this is their one-off game. You know, if if we. If we come into this thinking, oh, they're not going to have any bad games in any of the nine, then then we'd have been absolutely kidding ourselves. And hopefully that's the one. But I mean, yeah, and do it now. Have yeah. your first game. You've had a stinker, right? Get your heads right and have eight good games, and then nobody will think about this one. But right now, yeah, it was it was an absolute Reggie blinker. Yeah. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me as usual. So you're on Twitter, aren't you? At David Hartrick. I am. Yeah, and I'm at Stephen Chicken. We're at Examiner HTAC as well, both on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, I've brought those brands slap bang into alignment. So finally, after 15 months at the company, I've, I've sorted that out. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, we will speak to you next time. Obviously, this is the last time that we're actually going to have a week between games. Uh, from then on, it's going to be, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely nonstop. So, yeah, enjoy your final week of complete freedom from football. Try not to dwell on the results. And we will see you next time on Utabia. I can't even say the name of our podcast on Utabia. Utabia, Utabia.